Checking those onesies and those twosies. One and two and one and two and one and two. Oh, and by the way, one and two. One and two, one and two. Checking all this out. Should we get started? I think it is time for us to get started. Hello, hello, and welcome to Ed Talk. Hi, everybody. How's your Saturday going? I found the adjustment lever on my chair, so I actually got to move it up here a little bit here. It looks a little bit weird looking over on the Zoom call here while I'm waiting in for my guests to come in for the day, which we don't usually do this on a, on a Net Talk Saturday here, but I thought that it might be time. Well, she thought it might be time to come out and do something, but uh, definitely thought it was time to come out and uh, have some addition going on into the stream here. For those of you who are new to this stream here, my name is Jay Edgar. We are streaming live right now to DLive, YouTube, Twitch, Periscope, and hopefully Facebook. Hopefully I got that fixed again. But remember, if you are over on Facebook, head on over to one of the links that is above you to either the DLive, the YouTube, or the Twitch, because I can't see any of your live chat if you're on Facebook. I can see it everywhere else, but I can't see it over on Facebook here. So head on over in there because we definitely want to read the chat here from this show. If you're new to the show, I am going to sit and talk for an hour at this point. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to talk to you for an hour. And if we get over 20 people live chatting at the same time, I'm going to sit and talk for an hour and a half. What I'm going to talk about? Well, you see the little uh, topics that are up there in the uh, description to the video that you're watching right now, but those don't have to be what we talk about this week because this is your time. This is your time once again, absolutely. This is my time to give back to you because I don't read the live chat during the uh, during Contemporary and we re only read it between topics on the Red Dead show, so this is my time to give back to you and you decide the topics and we are at your mercy. So. Head on over there, get your stuff in. Looks like we've already got some live chat in here. By the way, we're also streaming to Instagram if you prefer to go over there. So come on down and check that out as well. That's over Instagram.com slash AutoworkerSlim. Go and check that out as well. All right. Looks like we've got Yuzhan uh, uh, Vong 19, which I think I know who that is. That's uh, my friend from over in the Beauty and the Beta, uh, Beta Frozen North Discord server. I'm sorry if I butcher that name. I apologize for that. Uh, we've got a saint over here. We have caught a wild saint saying, good evening, bitches. I have no live chat over on my DLive monitor. I wonder why the hell that is. Let's get rid of that. See if we can't fix that over here. No, that's not going to work again. Fucking DLive. DLive mobile sucks sometimes. I mean, it's good to sit here and watch here, and a lot of times you'll get out there and sit there, but sometimes it just blows because it won't give you anything off of this. So, anyway, I'm going to answer questions for a couple hours here, but until we get some questions rolling in, uh, Saint says language, sir. Yuzhan Vong. I'm sorry if I did mispronounce that, man. I'm sorry. But, uh, until I get some questions in, we do have a couple of things to talk about here. And once again, I'll be watching over to the other side of my screen here because my wonderful co-host over on the Red Net Show, Elaine, wants to come over and talk about the Bat Story. I thought we were going to be leading with that, but it wound up, uh, she wound up being on a business call, so that'll be a little bit delayed here. So let's see if we can't get 20 people into this chat right now. Tell a friend, tell 10 friends. We are just chatting right now, and I would love to hear from you. So... We're going to start out talking about something else, and we're not going to talk about the bad story this time. We are going to talk about something that I ran across over on Twitter. Something that I thought was quite interesting, to say the least. And, you know, I've been a big proponent of everybody should have every arm available to him that the federal government has available to him. Huh, FBI, I'm insulted. I work for customs. <laughs> Oof, even worse. That's nice. I like that. So anyway, I was scrolling over on Twitter the other day, and I ran across a tweet, and the tweet said, it, I don't remember exactly what it said. I shouldn't have, I should have actually written this down here. That's embarrassing. This is a little bit of on-air production there. That's on my end, but 
The tweet said to the gist of, what would happen to nu who would have nukes in an anarchist society? And I thought about that for a little bit, and I didn't realize, well, I realized what it was going to be, but I thought it was an interesting concept because, yes, everybody should have the same amount of armaments, or at least have the ability to have the same amount of armaments as the government has. That's the reason that we have a Second Amendment, is not so that we could go out and have various different weapons for going out and hunting, like muskets and shit like that. It's, it's not for that. Instead, it is for... <clears throat> I gotta stop. I don't drink, dude. I like to drink, but I never have time to because I have to get up at 5 o'clock every morning to make sure we have contemporary up and rolling. And if I drink, then I sleep till fucking noon. So, no, I don't drink, unfortunately. I love to drink. I love scotch. I absolutely love scotch. But, unfortunately, I don't have time to use it. One of my favorite things in the world is a nice ancient scotch. A good scotch that's old enough to... Wait, y'all don't have any nukes? Well, I don't. I'm not going to go into what I know about them, but I do not have any nukes. No, I do not. Alright, anyway, so what would happen in an anarchist society with nuclear weapons? Largely, honestly, it would be mostly the same as what we have now. If we looked at an anarchist society. Hey, those, it looks like I got uh, four people up here watching on various platforms. Make sure you get up in that live chat because I do want to get uh, all your names read up off of this as well. Um, anyway, so in an anarchist, yes, we don't have nukes thanks to you, Mr. FBI man. Well, here's reality on nuclear weapons. First off, there is a lot of shame around the manufacture of nuclear weapons. And I, there's not a lot of manufacture that goes on to nuclear weapons. There just isn't. Because there isn't a massive demand for them. You don't really shoot them off every day. It's not just something that you do. I mean, this isn't the Fallout universe where there's nuclear weapons every day. You've got suitcase nukes and little tactical nuclear weapons and a shoulder-mounted nuclear weapon launcher. This isn't the Fallout universe by any means. So, the manufacture of them is actually quite rare. And under an anarchist, I'm sure that a lot of that is government regulated, but under an anarchist system, I really honestly believe that the manufacturer would continue to be rare. You would have a few nut jobs out there that would say, oh yeah, I'm going to make some nuclear weapons because everybody in America should be able to have the same weapons as the federal government. We're going to make some nuclear weapons out there. But in reality, the majority of people who have the capital, the time, the ability to research, and the means to build a nuclear weapon are, for the most part, going to be shamed out of creating them. And I don't mean that as a slight to anybody, but, I mean, the way that the world looks at nuclear weapons right now, there are, there are not going to be a lot of people building them, no matter what the situation and what the government is. There are not going to be a lot of people building them. We're going to have that societal arm on them that says, okay, well, this isn't really a good idea. Yes, there are going to be people that make them, but they're going to be very, very few and far between. So the demand is always going to outweigh the supply. Let's see. The Chinese definitely still test nukes. Yeah, yeah, that I can see. And the North Koreans claim to test nukes. I don't know if they do or not. Now, the technology for nuclear weapons has gone to a point where they can be manufactured. Don't get me wrong. But I still think... and to a world that is evolved enough that we can be fully anarchist. In all seriousness, what would be the point of owning a personal nuke? Well, that way you can stand up to the federal government. That way when the federal government shakes their fist at you, you can shake yours back and say, uh-uh, fucker, not gonna happen. That's the point of having a recreational nuke. Unless you're a jihadist. You don't have to be a jihadist. You just have to hate living under the federal government's uh, thumb. And remember, Eric Swalwell did promise the fact that, uh, yes, if you don't give up your guns, we're going to nuke you because we have bigger guns than you. And that does kind of level the playing field if you can get personal nuclear weapons out to people. Sarah 808 says martial law. I guess I'm not sure what that means out of there. Yuzhen uh, Bong 19. I'm sorry, Yuzhen Bong. I, I can't pronounce that. North Korea's nuclear mountain caved in. I don't think they test nukes anymore. Yeah, but you're not going to nuke your own backyard. And that's the other thing that I'm going to go along with this here. And that's where I was going with the manufacturer out of all of this. 
the manufacturing is going to be low, the supply is going to remain low, the demand's going to be high because everybody's going to want one because I can. Oh yeah, I can have a nuclear weapon. I definitely want to have a nuke. So I can have one. But in reality, there's more to having a nuclear weapon than owning a nuclear weapon, than being able to say that you have a nuke. Now, like I said, this isn't the Fallout universe, and I don't think that we have the, the little mini nuke that you can throw off the shoulder-mounted launcher. So, for the most part, in order to have a nuclear weapon, you are going to have to have almost a missile silo to use it. Because you're just not going to want to throw it out your back door. Radiation can weaken the immune system. China has been continuously testing nukes in China, leading to the sickness of their country. Not to mention uh, allowing a bat virus out to other people as well. Don't forget that, too. That also leads to the sickness of their country. Don't forget about that. Anyway, let's uh, keep going off of this here. So, nuclear weapons are expensive to purchase. They are price pointed out of most pockets. Between the technology that's involved in having them, which would, under uh, massive supply influx, would probably push that down a little bit. But there would, yes, be a massive supply, or I'm sorry, a massive cost coming to this. You would have to uh, pony up a whole bunch of money if you wanted to have one. You would have to figure out how to use it, how to learn how to use it. And you would have to have some sort of deployment and launching system, like an ICBM, for example. Something to make sure that when it goes off, it's not in your backyard. Like Saint said over in the live chat, shoulder-fired nukes were a real thing, Ed. Yeah, well, I can't imagine that's real cheap to own either, to be completely honest. I can't imagine that's a... That's something that anybody's going to be able to have in there. But like I say, for the amount of punch that a nuclear weapon throws off, you are going to want to be as far away from that thing as you can possibly be once you light it off. Even a small little one is going to fuck up your day and your yard if you launch that thing into your backyard. Just even the tiniest little shoulder-mounted nuke is going to mess up everything about you. And yes, like Saint said, radiation will weaken your immune system on top of it. So yeah, you're going to want to be quite the distance away from this thing if you want to have it. So you're going to have to have some sort of some sort of way to launch it. You're also going to have to have somewhere to store it. Radioactive materials have a half-life. They seep radiation into things. You will get sick for it if you just kind of sit on the thing. So you do have to have a specialized containment area for you to use it, or just deal with the consequences of radiation weakening your immune system. It's your choice, to be completely honest. I don't necessarily think that, oh look, we've got the Turkish people coming in here checking us out. Dragong Troll 2 has put up a Turkish flag. Thanks for coming and checking us out. I've always been of the mind that civilians should be allowed to own any weapon that's not explicitly designed to cause mass civilian casualties, so no biological weapons, etc. Look up the M28 and M29 DCWS Davy Crockett weapon system. Okay, I will look into that. I will uh, take that up into consideration off screen. Yu uh, Jing Vong says, but tanks and airplanes? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 100%. You know what the worst problem of a libertarian uh, society would be? You'd have traffic jams from all the tanks trying to use the interstates. I'm sorry I don't read Turkish, so I don't know what is in that sticker. Unfortunately, I apologize for that. Anyway, yeah, going back to nuclear weapons. Um, yeah, you would need a place to store it. You definitely need a place to store it. And maintain uh, maintenance. Maintain that stuff. Make sure the computer's still working. Make sure every... Oh, we have a guest. All right, let me throw my headphones on and we will open this back up. Oh, my mouse uh, turned off because I hadn't used it for... Oh, and she's gone. All right, anyway, back to this. No one can afford tanks. Well, tanks would actually still be... Uh... Thank you, Jason Rush uh, Rushing for checking us out here. Um, tanks would still be showing up in general discourse. Like, people would still be able to build those. I mean, building a tank 
Oh, we got more stickers rolling in here. Building a tank would be a completely different thing than building a thermonuclear weapon. And there would be, I mean, yes, you would still have people guilting. Oh, we got a guest again. Let me get this up and taken care of here. Sorry about that. Uh, hold on for a little bit of on-air production. Oh, we've got some audio. Are you there? Hey, I'm here. All right, let's uh, get this out here. And let's get you up on the screen. And there you are, you are up on the screen here. For those of you over on Instagram, my co-host has just joined me up over here and uh, she hasn't really joined the Instagram yet over there, so I don't know if you're going to be able to hear her or not, but you can always hit the link in my bio and head on up and then you can hear everything else is going on. So we were just talking about the cost prohibitiveness of uh, nuclear weapons to people and the fact that uh, there are tanks that are going to be out there instead. <laughs> okay. What, what is your take on uh, the cost effectiveness of nuclear weapons? I don't have one. <laughs> yeah. I don't know enough about it, really. Well, they are expensive. They're definitely 100% expensive to own, purchase, and maintain. There are so many other things that go along with just, hey, I got a nuke because the government has them and I can have them too. Right. Which I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that would talk about that here. Uh, for those of you just joining the stream, this is my co-host from the Red Net Show, Elaine. Uh, we'll talk about nukes for a little bit more and take a little bit more of the live chat here. And then we're going to go talk about the bat story. <laughs> the bat story. Yeah. The bat story. Uh, Jason Rushing just put up uh, that said no, uh, put a message up that said no one can afford tanks. Well, the reality of tanks is the fact that uh, if you have enough supply and there's not going to be as much detriment from moral busybodies out there to keep you from making tanks, then the cost is going to come down. So, yes, if uh, if you have the tanks out there and more people are making them because more people want them, then that's going to be a lucrative business. And you're going to see that uh, that cost come down. And like I've always said with uh, libertarian society, the biggest problem with going to a full libertarian society is there would be traffic jams on the interstates from all the tanks. Yeah, there probably would be. <laughs> uh, I could see that. <laughs> Attack helicopters. Uh, the name is pronounced Yuz Hang Vong. No weird je sound like Ed was doing. Okay. And yes, I believe I know who that is as well, because that's uh, his Discord name as well, but not in the server that we share together. Uh, Saint says, good to know. They call me Saint, a.k.a. Tater Salad. Uh, when the world ends, I don't need to afford anything. I suppose that's probably true. I obviously don't need no, uh, mean no one. I just mean the idea is enough that people will own them to become a problem. I find it ridiculous. Yeah, I still think people would buy them because they can. I mean, people buy AR-15s all the time because they can. And the cost yeah, comes down do. on those as, they, uh, as people buy more of them because they make them cheaper, they make them in a bigger quantity, and more people buy them. Mm-hmm. Very true. What do you think would happen to nukes in an anarchist society? I think they would get cheaper over time, for sure. You think there would be enough demand to manufacture them? I think a lot of people would guilt people against manufacturing them, even if there was I no think government. So. I think they would. Which I think would price point them out of most people's pockets. Well, yeah. I mean, they're cost prohibitive to manufacture anyway. I mean, they take years. Yeah. And then, yes, the storage and maintenance that goes along with them. Right. But you're not here to talk about nuclear weapons, and I think I've talked that one to death already. That was a little shorty that we had up here. Uh, let's check with the live chat one more time before we go into this, and then I want to hear about the bat story, which I heard a little bit uh, after we did our interview. We just finished up doing an interview with uh, Harvey McLeod that is going to premiere on the Red Ned show on Monday, so make sure you guys come and tune in for that at 5.30 Central Time. Um... Uh, Han Vong says, also the military gets rid of tanks all the time. Military surplus, anyone? Hey, I would, I'd be all for it. Military surplus tanks is a thing. I would own one if there was enough supply to make it not cost prohibitive. Yeah, for sure. Saint says, I just need to be able to kill a guy with something. Well, I mean, you drive around 40 tons every day. I'm sure that would take a dent out of somebody. 
Uh, Saint says there would actually be a lot more Sherman tanks in circulation today, but the Army dumped hundreds overboard. That I didn't know about. I did kind of hear something. Well, no, it wasn't that. I d there are tanks on the floor of the English Channel. That doesn't surprise me. So, give us a little bit of background about how you know so much about this, and tell us about the bat story. So, I am Joe Jorgensen's social media director for her presidential campaign. And that means that I manage all of the platforms that she uses to communicate with voters. Um, so about a week ago, I got a call that Joe was not going to make her first couple of campaign stops in Pennsylvania. And when I asked if everything was okay, I was told um, Joe got bit by a bat. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, my question was, is she okay? And she's fine. Um, she's still fine. Um, but they had to take her to the ER and get a rabies shot. So she got a rabies shot about a week ago. And then they explained to her, of course, if you've ever had to have rabies shots, you know that it's a series of shots. And you have to get them over the course of like two weeks. And they have to be at very specific intervals. So for the next two weeks while she's on this tour, um, someone has to call ahead to whatever city she's going to be in on the day that she needs a shot. And... Mm -hmm find a place for her to get a rabies shot and it's just it's just another bizarre 2020 story and it's totally harmless the way that it happened she was just going out her back door to find her cat it was super early in the morning and she didn't find her cat she found a bat instead so um it was just of course bats fly very erratically to us because they're using echolocation to figure out where they're at so flying very irregularly it ended up kind of in her face she was just sort of swatting it away um and she either got scratched or bitten you know and so she's fine everything's fine um she just has to get these you know rabies shots in a certain order and um yeah so <laughs> <laughs> the campaign trail is crazy yeah that is uh I know, and I saw you commenting about it, and I actually knew about what was going, uh, what had happened, like that she had been bit by a bat, but I didn't know any of the surrounding details out of this. But I know that you yeah, were a lot talking. Of people are asking, wait, how do you get bit by a bat? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, bats are everywhere in North America, so yeah. it's not that surprising. People have run-ins with bats a lot. It's it's really not that uncommon. Well, I mean, you could always be Ozzy Osbourne and bite back. Thanks. <laughs> so now the Batwoman memes are everywhere. Uh the Batwoman memes. I haven't seen and I a was lot just of them. That I was just told that there is a Time magazine story about it. So we've gotten Time, Newsweek, um, The Independent, TMZ. Uh, all the major news outlets are finally covering Joe Jorgensen, except they're covering that she got bit by a bat, not that she's running for president. <laughs> well, I mean. Isn't all media coverage good media coverage? Isn't that it's what... true? It is. There's no such thing as completely bad press because as long as people are talking about you, then you're getting somewhere. And how many people would have known about this campaign if not for this? I have no idea. I I'm very curious to look at the Google Trends later this week and see the spike, see how far it went up. <laughs> And I have to wonder, too, uh, how much that's going to actually get buried now because all of Twitter is uh, all kinds of pissed off because the Donald signed in a uh, payroll tax holiday. He's going to take away Medicare. Like, this just happened between the interview and now. Oh, wow. I think I did see something about that on Twitter. Uh, Saint says, after the war, hundreds of tanks were dumped in the Atlantic and Pacific after Germany and Japan surrendered. This was done to reduce weight and save fuel for ships. What a waste. People would have bought those things. Saint also says that bats are tiny in Arizona. Well, I've only been there once, so... And I didn't see any bats while I was there. I was in the middle of Phoenix. So, you've said what is what the next step is off of this, off of what's going on with this. Um, mm -hmm. Now, you were supposed to be on this tour... Um, no, not really. Like it was never, a. it was kind of, um, mentioned in passing, like maybe that I would be there because at the time social media was part of the communications department. And so there was a potential for me to kind of be a media liaison, but I'm in my own department now. So 
I didn't need to, I didn't need to be there. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, you're far from home at this point too. You're in South Carolina still, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, Nephilim Ninja of Nibiru says it only gives you superpowers if it's radioactive. We've seen a lot of those comments. It was supposed to be a radioactive spider. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, what did Batman say in the last Batman movie? What's your superpower? I'm rich. Yeah. Saints um, says rabies is a superpower. <laughs> no, it's not. It's 100% fatal. Is it? I, yeah, no, I think so. I know so. nothing about that. Yeah, if you get rabies, it's a big deal. So she's fine. She's not going to get rabies because she got a shot within, she got the first shot within 24 hours. So it's all good. She's going to be fine. Um, she's actually got a pretty good sense of humor about it. But I didn't think this story was going to take off because we are doing daily vlogs from the road. There's a cinematographer traveling with the crew and he's doing daily event highlights that are going up on her Facebook page and also daily vlogs that are going up on her Facebook page. And the vlog where she talks about what happened with the bat went up on, I think, Wednesday or Thursday. And I mean, the people on her Facebook page that it reached reacted to it, but it didn't catch on until Friday night when she found out that she needed to miss one of her tour stops on Saturday morning, this morning, to in order to go get the next shot. All right, I got to stop you here for just a second. Addressed Instagram over here. Uh, I've got a young Chapa Grango, I think is how you pronounce that name here, is asking what this live is about. Uh, this is a uh, listener questions uh, live here. So if you've got something you want to have us discuss, go ahead and do that. I'm going to push you over, though, and uh, find a link in my description on my Instagram page and get into there. That'll get you to my YouTube channel. Because then you can see my co-host over there on the other side of the screen. You can't see her on the Instagram live. So head on up over there and uh, check us out over there. And then you can get in the live chat there. And we would love to answer your questions here. And if you can get 20 people in there with you, if we get 20 people chatting, I will go for 90 minutes. Otherwise, it's just going to be 60 minutes. So go ahead and uh, check us out over there. We'd love to see you in there. But thanks for checking us out over on Instagram. Uh, Han Vong says, hey, if we had more nukes around, maybe the bat would have been radioactive and giving her, given her superpowers. It's possible. And Saint agrees with that. <laughs> so, yeah, that Here's is. Something. But yeah, I'm really, so honestly, the, the timing was not contrived at all. Um, like I said, the incident actually happened like a week ago. It was public as of like Thursday, Friday, it went viral. Friday night to today it went viral. Today was actually all of the let her speak debate protest mm-hmm. convoys all over the nation. Um, we were trying to get 50 states and I think we got pretty close. So, I mean, like I said, this was not contrived to like push the debate protests, but it just kind of worked out organically that that, that happened. So hashtag let her speak was trending. Um, early this afternoon it went all the way up to like number two on twitter currently in the u.s election what's happening trends joe jorgensen um the the headline that says libertarians campaign to get joe jorgensen on the debate stage that's trending now um so it's great and this is really the first like mass uh mainstream media push that we've seen um so far in this campaign cycle for a third party candidate I say, and that's, I mean, that's a good thing because for the most part, I've always looked back and I've seen the third parties as just these other people who are running for nothing, essentially. They're coming out for some name recognition or to sell a book or something. But I would like to see some of them get up onto a debate stage. Hell, I've got some questions for some of these people that I don't think that any of the mainstream news anchors are going to do. And I do see, I got to say, just on the debate schedule on in generality of all of this i look at this now and i see uh we talked last week about uh, notre dame and how they canceled out on the presidential debate coming up Mm -hmm. and there's i think there is some pressure coming up from some of the other mainstreams at this point to come up and have the other venues come out and actually cancel all the debates because they're all afraid of the COVID right now Mm -hmm. i would love to have a freedom scoop hosted presidential debate i mean we're not a big enough network to do that yet at this point but so do you does everybody know the history of how the debate um the commission of presidential debates came to be and why there are only two parties in the debates 
I know about the Lincoln Douglas debate. I don't know anything beyond that at this point. Okay. So if you've got so, something else to enlighten us with. Yes, I do. So the very first organization that hosted a presidential debate that was televised was the League of Women Voters. And they were obviously non they were nonpartisan. They had all of the candidates on the debate stage that were running that had ballot access. Um, and they had a presidential debate. And I believe it was the Kennedy and Nixon debate. Of course, Kennedy went on to win the election because he did very well in the debate. He looked great. Um, Nixon looked very washed out, kind of sickly. It didn't go well. Mm -hmm. So um, Kennedy won his won his election. And then they didn't do a debate. The following the following cycle, if I believe right, it was just because Lyndon Johnson didn't feel like it was necessary because he had already been serving as president for, I think, a year or two at that point. And so he was just like, everybody already knows what I'm about. I'm not going to debate anybody. Mm -hmm. um, and then they brought the debates back again. Nixon did not want to participate again. And then he was, I think, eventually convinced to participate. But the Commission for Presidential Debates didn't exist until the 80s. And the first debate that they were involved in they were supposed to do it in conjunction with the League of Women Voters. And the story goes that League of Women Voters agreed to, to co-host this debate with the Commission on the Presidential Debates. Obviously, the Commission on the Presidential Debates is made up entirely of Republicans and Democrats. And when they gave the League of Women Voters their contract and their terms, so to speak, the League of Women Voters read over it, realized that... Um, realized that basically what the Commission on Presidential Debates was doing was saying who was going to be on the stage, who was going to be in control of everything, who was going to moderate, and who was going to be asking the questions and what the questions were. Um, so the League of Women Voters said, we're out. This is, this is a mockery of presidential debates. We will not take part in it. We're done. And they walked away. And the Commission on Presidential Debates has had the monopoly on presidential debates ever since. And that was in 1984, I believe. That's the year I was born. I was born a few years later. So yeah, so it hasn't always been this way, but they they made themselves a monopoly mm -hmm. in the in the debate world. And now there are people coming out and saying, "Well, we don't even need to have debates." Right. Which maybe that opens the door for another nonpartisan organization to start hosting debates again. Yeah. Or. A partisan organization. So let's decentralize the debates. Yeah. But I but the 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 agreement that the Republican and Democratic parties have with the Commission on Presidential Debates is that if they participate in those debates, they will not participate in any other debates. That's actually like contractually agreed upon. So it would require one side to get mad at the other and withdraw. Wow. in order for that to kind of happen. That is incredible and completely monopolizing. Uh, Nephilim yeah, Ninja has a comment up here. It says, uh, superpower for libertarians is intellectual consistency. Can't listen live for the live question. We'll listen later. Thanks, guys. Okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how that would go, but, you know, it's, it's that talk, so we take all the questions, no matter what. Yeah, I don't, it's, to me, I would love to, like I said, I would love to have somebody other than your MSNBC, your NBC, or whatever big mainstream company wants mm -hmm. to broadcast. I mean, this is, okay, they've made YouTube channels, but this is, that's not the way that we do things anymore, is just sit down in front of network television that comes in off the antenna and watches whatever they push in from the satellite. That's not the way we right. do things anymore. Netflix should host a debate. Or like I said, one of these independent, I mean, the Daily Wire, could you see what, what do you think would happen if they hosted a debate? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, just any of these independents that go out and for the most part, mainly stream their content instead of, like I said, just pushing it out and having everybody gather around the little TV that's only this wide from the tube and everything else off of this. Yeah, that's, I understand. Uh, Yuzhan Vong says, have the Daily Wire host a debate, sit back and watch the lefties melt down. I think he was thinking, with the delay that's in the YouTube, I think he was thinking the same thing I was thinking just about the same time. Because, yeah, they would absolutely melt down over that here. 
So going back to uh, the Jorgensen campaign, then. So is she is she actually speaking then at some of these places, or is I mean I know I saw oh, yeah. this morning that she was taking a couple days break from it. No, she's not taking a break. She was taking a few hours to go get the next rabies shot. She's not taking breaks. Okay. Um, they're living on this tour bus. It's got everything that they need on it. Mm-hmm. Um, they do stay in hotels every now and then, but um, yeah, they're on a bus tour, just like a rock, just like a rock band would be. Is it their own bus, or are they using No Force One? Um, I don't know. I, just, actually, I had to put really, that title actually, So we, we actually got really lucky because of COVID, weirdly enough. Um, the music industry is basically shut down right now, like mm-hmm. completely. Nobody's doing live shows because there's no audiences. Everything has been canceled. All the festivals have been canceled. Um I used to live in Nashville. I lived in Nashville for five years. That city is hurting badly right now because they have no entertainment industry. Oh, I and that is basically what that whole town revolves around is the entertainment industry and music. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the girls that's on the events team said she lives in Nashville. Um, I knew her from when I was in LPTN. And she said, I bet we could find a bus. I bet there are enough buses that are not on the road right now. We could probably find one and get a good deal on it. So she made a few calls and we found a bus. We got it wrapped. It's got Joe's face on the side of it. It's a big, bright blue bus. And yeah, it all worked out. So um, if if the economy had been functioning at 100%, would that have been possible? Probably not likely. Um, and we got it out of deal because they were just, they really needed the work. Now, I don't know how funding works in all of this. And I know that there's some proprietary stuff that uh, can't be discussed off of this. But I mean, how... Mm-hmm. To the extent that it can be discussed, how does the funding work for something like that? I mean, I'm sure that there's a fair amount of money in coffers from small pocket out I mean, of pocket donations. For, it's good for with donations, just mm-hmm. like everything else that a political campaign does. Okay. We did we did a special fundraiser for the bus, um, and people donated to help pay for it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just paid for like any other campaign expense. I see. And then, yes, she is going out. Uh, where is she now? She's in Mississippi today. She'll be in Louisiana tomorrow. Um, if you go to joe20.com, J-O-20.com, mm-hmm. that is where joe20.com slash events. That's where all the events are going forward. Everything is linked to Eventbrite. So if you want to reserve tickets, they're all on there. Um She'll be in Texas in a few days. She'll be back in Oklahoma again. Um, and then her last stop is here in Greenville, um, South Carolina. We're going to do a big homecoming party for her. Is she ever coming up this way? Um, I don't know. She was just up there. Because hmm. I would definitely go if I knew that she was uh, going to be somewhere in my state. She was in Wisconsin a few weeks ago. Huh. I'd never even heard anything about it. Otherwise, yeah, I might have actually gone. Class. She was in Oshkosh. Okay, that is a little bit far from me. That's what. Yeah, she just did one stop on a weekend. Hmm. That's more than uh, Biden's going to be doing. Yeah, um, every time they let him out of his basement, it doesn't go very well. So I think <laughs> they're just going to keep him in there until the election. I think that's probably why they don't want him to do the debates. Well, it's. I know that Jill came out and said that, oh, yeah, he's going to do the debates. Don't you worry, he's going to do that. But like every mainstream outlet is like, no, we're not going to let this happen. They don't want to give him any more opportunities to embarrass himself. He does do that quite a bit, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, for sure. I don't even know what my uptime is because my phone's sitting over the timer. Or the Instagram. We're 40 minutes right now. That's uh, not too bad here. So I want to talk uh, one other thing, since I don't have anybody else talking up in the live chat right now. I do want to go off on one other uh, topic that I saw coming up over this weekend. It's something that popped up yesterday on Twitter, and then it's just been going even further and further and further off of this. I sent you the message off of this. And this is a young writer from Teen Vogue, and I'm, I, I don't know if we're going to talk about this on Monday or not. Probably not, because with the interview with Harvey in there, we're going to be crunched on time as... Uh, as it is already, but something I wanted to talk about was the fact that a young writer from Teen Vogue put up on Twitter that for what she is paying in rent right now, she should be part owner of her building. 
And unfortunately, that's not the way that any of this shit works. No, it's not. Here's an interesting question and something that I've brought, uh, I've discussed before. I've never said break with what Saint is saying, but uh, here's a question that goes along with that. Do you think libertarians should break contact with the presidency for a while and try and get more local and federal legislative positions? We do all the time. Like I thought the same thing before I joined the formal LP. I was a little a libertarian for almost a decade and I finally joined the party in 2017. And I realized just how pervasive and suppressive the state election commissions are mm -hmm. and the media is on lo even local candidates that are running for office. I guarantee you, if you go look up your state libertarian party, call them or email them and find out how many candidates are running for office in 2020, you will be shocked at the number of candidates that are in your state because they do not get media coverage ever. They're never included in debates. They're never interviewed for news. They're like nothing. And a lot of them are running for office with maybe $500. That's it. That's all they have because they don't have a network to raise money through. And the Libertarian Party doesn't have the kind of infrastructure like the DNC does where they have the DCC. Mm -hmm. They have this pack that will just pump money into elections. We don't have that. Everything is grassroots. Everything is from the ground up. So if you can't raise money from your family and your friends, you just have to do it with what you have. And there are a lot of county, there are a lot of nonpartisan races that libertarians run for as well, like county commissioner, um, some mayoral positions or some mayoral elections are nonpartisan. Libertarians run for those. Um, most states have some elected libertarians at the local level. Um, I know in Tennessee, there's a libertarian mayor mm -hmm. and it's not Glenn Jacobs. His <laughs> name is Stephen Chambers. And he has control and dominion over his entire county. Um, he's a county mayor. In Tennessee, it's weird. They used to have city mayors and then what they called a county executive. Mm -hmm. They changed it to be called a county mayor. So we have like two levels of mayors in Tennessee. One's at the city level and then one's at the county level. He's at the county level. So he has a whole county and he's a libertarian. His race was nonpartisan. So he didn't have to run as anything. Um, but yeah, there are local elections with libertarians in them all the time, all over the country. Um, I think Pennsylvania has over 50 elected libertarians in, in state offices all over the, all over the state. Um, Florida, same way. They've got 50 or 60 and they're all serving on water boards, county boards. Um, they might be serving school board, just all kinds of stuff. We're everywhere. Just nobody talks about it. Right. And that is, uh, something that's definitely true in the media because I, thought the same thing for a while i'll mm -hmm. actually uh we'll do this off mic but i'll look and see if you can get me in touch with the board for wisconsin because i've actually expressed interest in running as a federalist but there is no federalist party anymore because yeah. nobody knows anything about states rights because it's all going to be done out of dc but yeah i've, I've yeah. been interested in it for a little while so in 20 in 2018 the libertarian party ran over 800 candidates for local offices for state level offices. There were some that ran for Senate and things like that. What you also have to understand is that if we don't run for races like that, we lose ballot access. So a lot of times we have to run in a race just to get the 5%. We know we're not going to win, but we need to keep that 5% so that when the next presidential election comes around, we don't have to go collect thousands and thousands of signatures. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's like a self defeating system it makes it very difficult for libertarians to get anywhere because in a state where you have to also have ballot access, some candidates have to choose between, do you run a campaign or do you run a, do you run ballot access? You can't do both because you can't afford to do both and you don't have time to do both. So what you end up doing is putting all your effort into ballot access and neglecting your campaign. You're still on the ballot you might still get that 5%. But you really, your outreach was basically directed towards the ballot access side of your campaign rather than formal campaigning as, you know, the Republicans and Democrats were doing because they don't have any of those obstacles. 25 signatures and you're on the ballot. That's uh, it. Yus uh, Han Vong has a question for you based on something you were saying <laughs> earlier. Uh, serving on water boards, are they being tortured? <laughs> Not those kind of water boards. Uh, Saint says, Arizona hardly ever runs libertarian candidates. I've looked before. 
And they may not. There are some states that, that run less libertarian candidates. And Arizona is pretty red, too, for the most part, from what I understand. Like, even with the fact yeah. that they got Kirsten Cinema, she's had to run on a pretty red agenda in order to maintain herself and even get elected to begin with. She's a moderate, yeah. I don't know if she's actually a moderate, but she, I think she plays one on TV. <laughs> she might. Um, so that's what I have. And yeah, I'm always interested in doing something because I said the same thing. I mean, I always hear about, and I know KWD actually ran simultaneously for the presidential nomination and for something in his state. And I cannot think for the life of me what state he's in, but he was looking yeah. at a state position. Keenan Wallace Dunham. I don't know who that is. He was one of the uh, candidates for LP this time through. He was actually one of the first guests on my, uh, on the old show. Mm, okay. Jake pushed me into interviewing him, uh, uh, interviewing him, and it was actually a really good interview. Great. Actually, he when uh, before everything else went out, he actually had my support for the uh, LP nod because I really liked where he was going with uh, with everything else that he was saying with it. Great. Uh, Yusan Vong says Ed is correct about cinema. Yeah, I, I kind of know what what her game is. It's really hard to be a Democrat in Arizona. Yeah, it is. And I'm sure that LP uh, is probably even harder at this point. Uh, Saint yeah. has got to take off. He's got to get his pre-trip rolling, and he's headed for Virginia. Drive safe, Saint. Be safe. I'm going to have to log off here soon because I need to take the dogs out, and I have been on the phone all afternoon. <laughs> well, I'll be here for the next 12 minutes. I did make the promise to that there, so... No matter who's all logging off, I will stay for the full 60 minutes for everybody here. But I do want to okay, get well, to... Go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and hop off. Okay. So thank you guys for tuning in. I'm glad I could clear up any of your questions about the bat story <laughs> and about LP politics in general. So um, I'll see you guys on Monday night at 6.30 Eastern for the Red and Ed show. Take care. And thanks for uh, stopping by. Where's my transition screen? All right, and that was Elaine. Thanks for uh, coming by and checking us out here. All right, we have got 10 more minutes of this, so let's go and figure out what else we have going on here. Saint says, no, it's not. It's not hard to be a Democrat in the southern part of Arizona. Well, I mean, that's where I was, was in the southern part of Arizona, and I just saw a very, very conservative lifestyle, so I could have been wrong. I was a tourist. And I'm not really big on being a tourist, so I don't understand what tourism is and what to look for in and all of this. So, no, you could absolutely very 100% be right. And that is where, from what I understand, a lot of your urban centers are as well. So, I don't know. I thought that Phoenix was seemed very conservative from where I was sitting at the time. But, once again, I was only there for a week, so I could very well be wrong. All right. So, the last thing that I wanted to talk about was uh, this Teen Vogue writer. Let me see if I can find the tweet here again. Now that I'm not running the Zoom call, I can probably free up a little bit of uh, space in order to go look something up. I want to look this tweet up so I make sure I get it accurate. So hang on for just a second. Come on, give me my Twitter. Don't be stupid. On-air production is the best thing in the world. So, Candist over on Twitter says, if my rent money is paying my landlord's mortgage, shouldn't I be part owner? And Matt Walsh actually had a uh, fantastic statement to go back off of this. It says, this reminds me of the time when I bought a Big Mac and became CEO of McDonald's. And that's the absolute truth of everything here. So, and I pointed out the fact, because somebody pointed out, well, McDonald's provides a product. Well, McDonald's does provide a product, but landlord's a service. No matter what you think about what a landlord is and what that means for landlords, landlords do provide a service. They provide a building that you can come and live in with a much, much lower credit score and much lower payments than going out and buying a house. You usually get a lot more apartment for less money than you get for a house. Now, 
And that's something else to point out too when you're looking at a lot of this as well is the fact that a lot of these people that are talking about this are doing so from a huge city where rent is massive. I talked to a friend that I made when I lived out in Boston because I was actually going to do something on rental prices and inflation and what inflation was doing to rental prices. And I wanted to see if she could go out and find out what the place that I rented when I lived in Massachusetts was going for right now because she grew up not too far away from there. She's She actually lives in the city now, but she told me what she pays for pretty much the smallest apartment in the city of Boston. And I don't know any of the details of it. I don't know if it is... Uh, if it's a big place, well, it's a small place, but I don't know if it's on the ground floor access, if it's like a great big walk-up. I know they have skyscrapers in Boston. I know they have big, tall buildings. So I don't know if there's elevator, walk-up, or anything else like that. Any of the details other than the fact that it's probably about the same as the place that I'm renting right now. I have got a tiny little apartment, but I, it's only me that lives here, so I don't need a big place. A bigger place just means more places to clean, and I don't like that. But the reality is, is that these landlords do come out and they provide a service. They provide you a roof over your head at a discounted rate, whether you can, and no taxes, because they pay all the taxes on it too. Uh, Saint says Phoenix has been uh, red, trending purple. Tucson has been blue, trending dark blue. Scottsdale is red and rich. Yeah, it's kind of like here because most of your northern Wisconsin areas are deep, deep, deep red, except for a little bit over on the river where a lot of the union workers go over and work in Minnesota and come over and live in Wisconsin because the property taxes are way the fuck lower in Wisconsin than they are in Minnesota. So you'll see a little bit of blue going along the river there, but for the most part, uh, yeah, it's northern Wisconsin over in western Wisconsin bordering Iowa. It's pretty, uh, pretty red, and the only real blue that you have is Madison is deep progressive blue, and Milwaukee is more like Biden blue, like Democrat but Union Democrat because they used to make things over there. Kenosha was the same thing. I talked about the article that I put in the Discord where people can come back and see that, yes, the Democrats lost Kenosha and they couldn't figure out why. Well, I know why, because there's nothing there anymore. There's no, there isn't that union influence anymore, so people are coming out and realizing that the benefits are bullshit. And they went for Trump because they wanted him to bring the manufacturing back. Manufacturing towns want manufacturing presidents. They don't want progressives. So yeah, and no, and looking at the map, there's there's a big difference that goes along there as well. It's the same thing when you go down into Illinois. In Illinois, you have the property taxes that are in line with, well, Chicago living and the taxes that go along with trying to fund the Chicago machine. But anywhere below Rockford or below Joliet is pretty fucking red in uh, Illinois. Absolutely is. You've got the one blue area that's Chicago and then out to Rockford and some of the suburbs out for Chicago as well. But for the most part, it's a pretty conservative place for most of the state. Upstate New York, pretty frickin' red. New York City and Albany are deep blue sanctions, but upstate New York is pretty fucking red. You see that all over the place. There are big parts, but it's just what, what does... What cities prevail and how do the population centers prevail? Because, yeah, it's the other thing, too, is Illinois State's deep, deep blue because the vast, vast majority of people in Illinois live in Chicago and vote for that Chicago city machine politics. So, yeah, I understand that entirely. But going back to Candace's uh, tweet over here, no, you don't, you don't be part owner of that building. Now... You can make agreements with landlords if you want to rent to own a property. Like if you see a house that you really like, you can't quite pull the credit out. Sometimes the landlord doesn't necessarily want to keep the house. And they want somebody else to buy it, but somebody else wants to buy it that doesn't necessarily have the credit to come out and make the initial purchase to go get the mortgage. At that point, there are people that will go out there and say, okay, well, well, we will rent it to own then. And they'll make the payments. It's usually a much higher rent than if you're just doing a standard rent of the same size. But they'll go out and they'll make the payments. And the payments will be going into a fund to cover the appraisal of the house at the beginning of the contract. But, no, if you are renting from someplace, from a landlord, no. 
because you don't have any of the liability and the responsibility to do that. And somebody else in the thread actually pointed out something obvious out of this as well. If uh, you go for uh, miss three payments on a house or rental property, like the landlord, if he misses three mortgage payments on this property that he's uh, that he's paying for, the bank is going to come and start the proceedings. Usually you can't get out of the proceedings to go and foreclose and take the property back over so they can make their money back off of it. If you miss three rent payments, you will probably get evicted, but you don't have that mark on your credit score anymore. Well, not the same kind of mark as you have. You've got the eviction on your uh, score, but you don't have any responsibility to the building is where I'm going with that. You don't. Now, one of the things somebody got pissed off when I reminded him that uh, landlords do provide a service, and he said, well, it's extortion because they don't provide a service. And I said, yeah, they do. They do maintenance because under most state laws, you have to have a property maintained to a certain point, and if you don't fix it, the tenant can come back and sue you for all of his rent off of this. So you've got the maintenance, you've got the upkeep, Tenants don't mow the lawn, or if they do, there's a rental agreement out of this as well. But no, tenants don't mow the lawn. Tenants don't do the gardening or any of the other minor upkeep that is going continually off of this. Tenants don't pay the taxes. They don't pay the taxes on the building. And taxation is theft, but they don't pay the taxes on the building. And once again, they can come back and walk away from it without having some sort of huge process. That's the other thing, too. That goes along with this. It's part of the reason, well, part of the reason was I couldn't get my credit uh, gone back and rolled around to the point that I could have bought. Because definitely this past spring, I would have bought if I'd have had the opportunity to do so. But at this point, I can walk away from this place on almost a moment's notice. I worked out a deal with the landlords because I don't want to be here through next summer. I'm going to be moving out of here in the spring after COVID is over. So I didn't want to stay until the end of July. So I actually, we adjusted the lease and I'm only staying here now until the last day of April, my birthday. And then I'm out of here at a moment's notice without having to come out and say, hey, I'm going to do this. And even if it wasn't that, it was going to be a month's notice. I can be out of here instead of going back, hoping the place sells, hoping that I can pay for it and pay for my new place at the same time. And hoping that I can get out of it at a reasonable time, otherwise I'm paying for two places. There are so many other things that go along with purchasing property than there is with renting an apartment. As Candace doesn't seem to realize here, you are not a part owner of this because you can walk away from it at any time that you want. On, for the most leases, very, very little notice. And that works out very well for a lot of people. I mean, I've moved around. How many times have I moved around? In my adult life at this point, I lived in Kenosha after I moved out of my parents' house. I moved out of Kenosha and moved to Boston. That was definitely not something where I could have actually made a long-term commitment to. Mostly because nobody can afford the cost of living in uh, Boston unless they're super rich. Or I moved back to Kenosha, lived there. That was not the place for me and I could walk away from that for a second. And now I'm going through career paths and life paths as well, where I can come back and look at this and say, okay, well, now it's time to actually purchase property. and do so. One of my old roommates actually pointed out something very important that goes along with renting as well. Uh, when I lived in Kenosha the second time, I lived with a, a girl about my own uh, age. Actually, I think she was only within a few months of the same age as me. But we were having the discussion and that we were talking about actually ownership one night. And she said, well, here's the way that I look at it here. You know, I'm, I'm young and I'm dating right now. And, you know, I'm dating to get married. So she wasn't dating to get married. But I'm young and I'm dating right now. And, you know, if I get married, if we both own a house, well, it's a lot easier to get out of an apartment than it is to sell a house. And that's an absolute point thing. All right. Well, we're going to lose Instagram here. And we're actually probably going to jump off of YouTube here in a second because we didn't get the 20 people up in and chatting today, which is kind of sad. I'm a little bit uh, sad about that, but we'll we'll grow to a point that we can do this. So thank you, Instagram, for coming and checking us out. And we're off Instagram here. But yeah, that's what I have to say about it, that there's a lot bigger things going on to rent. And if you're if you want ownership in a building, then buy one. 
that's just the extent of it right there. If you want to own property, then buy it. Easy enough. Yes, you've probably got some problem in your past. Poor credit. It, it hit me. When I lived in Kenosha, there, was, there were no jobs to be had. And I fell behind on a lot of things. So, yes, I've got the, I've got the bad credit thing uh, running against me right now. So I need to, at this point, rent. I'm working on getting that fixed right now so I can purchase. And, once again, I can move at a moment's notice right now. So, landlords provide a lot more service than just extorting you out of money for putting a roof over your head that you've agreed to contractually. And if you don't like it, like I said, buy your own property or, hey, move back in with your parents. That's another big thing that's out of this because a lot of people are coming out and saying, well... You should go out and move away from the city and away from where you grew up because there are other places, plenty of cheaper places for you to go. And these people are coming out saying, well, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to I'm just going to move out from my security net and my job in order to go move somewhere that I don't know about. Well, people did that in the 60s with a lot less resources than these people have. And you can go out and buy a house. Where I live in Wisconsin, you can buy a house for lower payments than you can rent an apartment for in Boston. You can buy a three-bedroom house for a lower payment than a one-bedroom apartment in the city of Boston. In my little suburban area of Wisconsin. And that is including your taxes and escrow, too, by the way. Keep in mind. The house payments... Because when I was shopping, like when you go on Century 21 or something, they don't show you what your taxes and every, what your escrow is going to be on top of everything else. The house payments, some of these places I looked at, were less than what I am paying now in rent. Now, yes, once you throw the taxes and insurance on top of it, yeah, it goes up a little bit more and you do have to fork out more money every month. But the house payments on these payment places were less than rent in some of these places. So yeah, do keep that in mind as you go along as well. But I think that's where we're gonna call it off of here. Thank you everybody who came out and chatted. We didn't have a lot of DLAC presence this time. I'm a little surprised. Usually that's the one that blows up. I wonder if there's a problem with DLive's chat or something. I know we're streaming out to there and I know we had somebody pop in from DLive, but I wonder what's going on with that. We'll uh, look into that a little bit off mic here, but I wanna take some time. I wanna thank Saint and make sure that he drives safe. I want to take some time and thank Yuz Han Vong for correcting me on how to pronounce his name and coming in and checking us out. So thank you very much for that. Uh, we have got Nephilim Ninja Nibiru for his colorful language about the LP. I know that uh, you've, you look down on that a little bit off of this, but uh, we still love to have you here. Thanks, Nephilim Ninja, for coming and checking us out here. Uh, we had Jason Rushing. That's a new name in here. So thanks for coming in and uh, checking out the channel. Uh, Dragon G Troll, our Turkish friend out here. Thanks for coming and checking us out. And I believe, oh, we had Cero808 too. Thanks for coming and checking us out. And that's going to be it for the day. We will put this back out on demand on YouTube if you couldn't catch us live. Or this will be on the audio platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. We are now on Spotify, so come and check us out over there. Thank you also for the Instagram audience for coming in and uh, checking out as we went along. So... We are going to head out of here. Thank you very much for checking us out. Thanks for checking out the stream. And until Monday on Contemporary or the Red Net Show, take care, everyone.